everyone. Welcome back to a new edition of Bitch Breathe. I am your host, Ricardia. So those of you who have listened for a while know that we talk a lot about relationships here and breakups and dating. And there's actually going to be another one or two episodes even about online dating. So stay tuned for those. But today I'm going to talk about breakups from a little bit of a different angle. I'm usually very, very careful about the things I say all around the decision of whether or not one should break up. So a little provocatively today, I'm going to say why you're not breaking up, even though it seems evident that you should. There are a lot of emotions to navigate around breakups. I think we all can pretty much agree on that, even though we might not necessarily agree about what those emotions are. But I want to take a closer look today at all the reasons why we might stay in a relationship that already looks pretty broken, like a broken record, maybe. You've dug in, perhaps you did couples counseling, you read the books, you checked your parents' marriage and divorce rates to see if you got any cues there, but somehow you're still not sure, or more importantly, you're still not leaving. So with my clients and the people I talk to, even just privately, I've noticed that there are some patterns that I would love to share with you today. And one good cue as to why you should probably leave would be that you're no longer surprised about how your spouse, your partner, your significant other is behaving. You're just exhausted 24-7. So this is sort of the opening scenario or scene that we're working with today on this episode. So I'm not generally saying leave this person. I'm just saying here are some reasons that if those are your reasons, they might not be good enough to stay. You decide that. And I speak so much about this in my book, which I hope will be getting published this year. So yeah, let's dive right in. So the first one, let's start with the easiest. If you ask yourself a lot why you are still with this person, that should be your first cue. Like if there's a daily investigation as to why the hell you aren't getting out of there, then chances are you're in a situation that may be looked at from a very close distance to see what is going on there and why. And can it be changed? And if you come to the decision that it can't be changed, let's get to the other reasons. One reason that especially couples who have been together for a very long time come up with is what in business we would refer to as sunk costs. Like let's say you've got a business, you've got your little startup, and you have thrown so much money at this thing that you're like, okay, come hell or high water, I'm going to see this thing through. Instead of looking at all the signs, and granted that's not always easy, and to see, you know what, I'm going to have to cut my losses and get the hell out of here. And for couples, this sunk cost is usually the shared history. So let me ask you, do you really <laughs> want to stay here for the shared history, which let's face it, probably isn't all that great, or you wouldn't be having these thoughts in the first place, so that you can project that shitty history onto the future with this person? That doesn't make sense. You're going to use your history as an excuse to create more of that history in your future. So if sunk cost is the reason you're staying, I'm here to tell you it's not a very good reason and it will probably lead to more unhappiness down the road. Why do I get to say all this, by the way? Experience, people, lots of it. 
Another very popular one, and this is a tricky one, kids. Staying for the kids is a big, big deal. But I want to antagonize here a little bit because I could do a whole episode on this particular subject. And let me tell you, your kids, if they're exposed to your fighting, conflict every day, insecurity about what's going on with mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad, whoever it is who's doing the fighting, they don't want you to stay for them. Don't stay for the kids. If that is your only reason or justification, then what you should be doing is leave for the kids. Leave for their sanity, for their mental health, for your own. Because do not underestimate the generational trauma that we inflict on our kids because we think we need to keep this nuclear family unit together. It's a really bad idea. I can speak to this from the point of having been a child of partners who fight and then having been the mother in a couple that fought when her child was around. Leave for the kids. Don't stay for them if that is the only reason you're still in this relationship. And here comes my biggest one, financial concerns. The only thing I really want to say here, but it sounds like I'm being frivolous, so bear with me, but I'm just hoping you're not married because the institution of marriage and German-speaking people, if you buy a book this weekend, then make it the following. It's by, I think her name is Emilia Roy, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, and it's called Das Ende der Ehe, The End of Marriage. And what she talks about is marriage as an institution, because what it essentially does is put women into poverty while they're married. And I'm talking very much in a heteronormative context here right now, because that's the only one I can speak of. And especially if that marriage doesn't work out, because the government society is very invested in your staying married and poor, or as we sometimes like to say, barefoot and pregnant. So I totally understand the concerns that you stay because you're not sure what your financial future will look like if you leave. And even though I say that, Speaking from a point of privilege, I can't speak for someone who's working three jobs and so is the partner and everything's going to fall apart. Then you need a long-term plan. If that is, however, not the case for you and only you can decide the degree of privilege that you're operating from, then you should definitely look into leaving. Just because you stay married longer or with this person longer does not mean your future is financially secure. And there is such a thing as financial abuse, as it's called, right, where you are being controlled because maybe as a man, but mostly as a woman, you are the one making less money because you're taking over all the care duties. So I took a little feminist escape here for a moment, but I want to make sure that that is very clear, that you are not necessarily in a financially great place when you stay and you won't necessarily be in a financially horrible place when you leave. Because don't get me started on how you get taxed when you're married. So if you are married, look at your situation closely and see if maybe you recognize some of what I'm saying. If you're not married, but you're still in a financially dependent situation, see that you change that. Because is that really worth your freedom, the financial stability, the digs, whatever that comes with? And ask yourself, isn't there a way to get out of here? Because what definitely for me came before financials was mental health. And I knew I could not keep my mental health if I stayed in this relationship. Another really big one is health. I mentioned this in my book because it is 
very, very sticky, this subject. Is the partner not healthy? Maybe you're not healthy. Maybe somebody's parents here are not healthy and one of you is the caregiver. If leaving is a real option at all in that scenario, and I know that that can be a very, very tough call to make, then make sure that you put in place a care system that works. Because what comes with care work is guilt, whether we're taking care of our parents, somebody else's relatives, our own children. I feel like the direct contact between caregiving and guilt is huge. And I don't know if this has to do with religious traditions or just whatever is being put on women who are mostly still the caregiving entities in our society, but it has a lot of guilt. And being guilted into staying because somebody's sick is a horrible place to be in. So check your situation. Is there any way that your health or the health of the person you're taking care of can still be kept intact while you leave? And let's face it, some health issues, they might be coming because you're in a relationship that isn't healthy for you. And only you can decide that, but I wanted to put it out there because it is a very, very big deal. One issue that I can speak to a little more personally than the health issue is the fear of loneliness. And I could write a whole book, maybe three, on this one. And please don't hate me for what I'm about to say. It's something that took me forever, and I'm going to say over four decades, to learn. And that is at some point, life is going to take you by the shoulders and ask you to deal with your solitude. If you stay in a relationship, you still might be alone one day. In fact, chances are one of you is gonna, because somebody might die before the other person. You do not have a guarantee of never having to learn how to be alone just because you stay in a relationship. And I know what it's like to deal with your own fears and problems and shit when there's no shoulder to cry on that day, day after day, month after month, maybe even years. It's hard. Sometimes it's so hard that you're glad you can just go out to the bakers and have a stupid talk about how bad the croissants were that were delivered today or whatever. Anything to get out of our own heads because solitude makes us travel inside and that is not a pretty place sometimes. And there's plenty dark nights of the soul when it comes to loneliness. But I do firmly believe not only that we have to learn it, but that there is great value in learning it. Think about it. If you're not scared about being alone anymore, you're operating from a much more free place when you do decide to get together with another person. Or when you choose somebody's company, you really choose it. You're not the victim of your loneliness and just spending time with people who are not worth your energy or your time because you're free. You love and cherish your own company. And I know this is not easy, people. It took me forever. Anyone who knows me will testify how long it took me to get to that point where being lonely was not synonymous to being alone. And that can change over time, but cultivate and never stop gardening when it comes to being able to stand being alone. And speaking of cultivating and gardening, Take care of your friendships. If you're in a relationship now, take care of them. Those are not auxiliaries in your life. These are major lead roles in your life. That is where your safety comes from. And that is where you will learn that being alone, being single, does not equate to being lonely. And let's face it, being lonely in a relationship you're hating, I don't know. For me, it was a lot worse. Maybe I should have said this one after I talked about financials, but it came up for me because I remembered 
the situation my mom was in when a longer relationship ended and she and I were back to being alone again. And what happened was she and that partner had major debt because they had a mortgage. They had bought an apartment together. And so speaking of financial dependency, mom was in it big time. So what did she do, right? What do you do when you have all this debt? That thing wasn't paid off by far. So she went to the bank while the separation was sort of shaping on the horizon. It hadn't actually happened yet. She went to the bank. They came up with a payment plan. She built a door in her apartment and rented out the rest of that apartment. What I'm trying to say is it can be done. It's not easy at first, but if you're worried about debt and falling deeper into it, then know that there are ways, there are services, at least in the country that I live in, in Germany, and certainly in Europe, I'm thinking Western Europe, there are ways to get advice so that you don't have to come out in absolute poverty when this relationship is over. I feel like this one, the last, almost last point I'm making, I think it's almost the toughest one because it's not as tangible as all the other points we just went through, like kids, loneliness, you know, marriage and health. And that is the illusions and the dreams that went along with this relationship. I have to say that my illusions about where this relationship could still go, how this person or I could still change in a way that we could stay together, held me hostage in a way that none of the other concerns did. Because I had all these dreams. I wanted the perfect relationship. I wanted this normal life where it's dad or stepdad, it's mom. I even got a dog to normalize this situation. I just wanted the normal life. I wanted what Hollywood, what society, what ancestors, what friends suggested was a normal life. And to have to come to the conclusion, by the way, two divorces later, come to the conclusion that this wasn't me, that this indeed had nothing to do with who I was, the kind of person I wanted to be, and the kind of background I had and personality, was the hardest thing for me to bust. Everything else over time became easier. But losing the dream of being part of a couple was the hardest thing I felt I had ever had to do. I have had to do much harder things, as I'm sure many of you, maybe all of you have. But this was the worst. I wasn't going to leave the country with this person. We weren't going to be walking towards the horizon together hand in hand. We weren't going to be like that beautiful book film, actually, The Notebook. We weren't going to die together or him lying in my arms, lovingly sending me off to God. It wasn't going to happen. And that will keep you hostage plenty years longer, possibly, than financial concerns or even the kids. Sometimes we think we're going to leave after the kids have moved out and we realize, oh no, I'm still not leaving. Why? I thought I was going to have the courage to leave when they move out. Why are you not leaving? Because those dreams, those illusions of things may be changing, of a future that will be rosier together, are very, very tenacious. And it takes a lot of strength to go up against our own dreams, or more importantly, our failed dreams. But I want to say this, I'm a living testimony as are many, many people that I've spoken to that are in my life. It gets better, even as it gets harder at first, to come back to who you are, your truth, 
the dreams you have separate from this person, and the future that lies ahead of you because you dared to leave. And if letting go, even if it's you who realizes the relationship is over, or even if the other person is making it impossible to stay, if letting go is so hard to do, maybe refer back to my last episode where I talk about letting go. It isn't easy to do. I know that very well. But know that there are plenty of people out there who can and will want to help you, including me with this little podcast right here. So let me know how that goes for you. I'm really curious about your feedback. I know some of these points are controversial and you're probably thinking, are you for real? Leave? I'm going to be in poverty. Or what about the kids? And all these things. I know those are very, very difficult. If you can't pick them apart to a point where you're not scared, then maybe talk to some of your friends who've already done that journey before you. Looking forward to hearing from you. Write to me if you like. It's ricardia at thebreakupcall.com. Until then, sending love. <laughs>